0: Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of my podcast here on Adventist Voices for Spectrum. Uh, and this podcast is going to be called Girl Meets Church. Uh, we're going to have discussions on religion, justice, culture, and intersectionality. Why did I choose the name Girl Meets Church? I think it's important to have these discussions from the perspective of someone who considers himself a church girl. Um, I think that there are a lot going on right now, going on in our society, going on in our churches um, that we really need to just kind of break down and discuss um, and amplify voices of Adventists who are working in these spaces um, and can help us just kind of flush out some of our issues or just areas for discussion Um, within religion and the social world. Uh, So welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm really excited to be here and to start this off today. And more than that, I'm extremely excited to welcome my guest for tonight. His name is Philip Malcolm. uh, And Philip is a truth and justice advocate, We call him the bearded host. Uh, He hosts a radio show where he sheds light on religion and politics, um, social media and film. He also is a social justice advocate. He's a social justice leader at Metro SDA Church in Maryland. He is doing phenomenal things in uh, the community. He's a businessman. He works at the Department of Justice. Um, And I'm just excited for us to chop it up and just talk a bit about this political world and how it ties into the religious world and just have some really, really good conversation. So welcome to my podcast. And thank you for being my first guest, (laughs) Philip.
1: Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be on your first podcast I think uh, this one is gonna go down in the history books.
0: Yes 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 <laughs> So <laughs> I have told everyone a little bit about you but why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and the work that you do?
1: Oh man so it's always tough talking about myself because I can give you you know the resume mm-hmm. uh, and that always that's always cool I guess. But I'm really just a a guy that is on this humble journey, Mm -hmm. learning new things every day, trying to gain wisdom from scripture uh, and from experiences and just growing. So uh, what I do, you mentioned already, during the day I work at the Department of Justice Mm -hmm. for a... Uh, specific program, of course, you know that each each uh, government agency has multiple tiers right. or divisions. So I work specifically in the civil division. And uh, in the civil division, there's also another subset. So I work for a program called the September 11 Victim Compensation Fund. Mm. And basically what that deals with is the victims uh, and their fam- and the families of the victims of September 11, the September 11 attacks,
0: Wow.
1: Uh, on the World Trade Center. So, uh, basically, what I do uh, is I'm sort of a liaison mm-hmm. between the victims and the families, if the victim has passed away, and the Department of Justice.
0: Wow! Wow! So.
1: Yeah, we help to fund them, uh, award them money, you know, for whatever illnesses they have. And um, if they have passed, we award the families with uh, some money to help them stay afloat. And so the program has been running since about 2004, and we are still up now.
0: That's awesome. Awesome. I know not just for me, but probably for everyone that will be listening to this show, um, September 11th is forever foremost in our minds and in our hearts. Interestingly enough, um, I'm originally from Trinidad and Tobago. And when I first moved to the US, it was maybe a couple weeks before um, the 9-11 attacks occurred. Oh, really? so, yeah. So I was really, really Ooh. new. I had moved to Brooklyn that August. I had started going to. Um, it's interesting because that was my first introduction to Adventism. Also in an intimate space. Um, I started going to Adventist High School, um, Northeastern Academy uh, that September. And I mean, a few weeks after being here, nine eleven happened. So it was definitely such a shocker and a really unique experience to have as an immigrant in a new city and, and have that happen. So
1: <laughs> what an introduction. I know, right? <laughs> welcome,
0: welcome to <laughs> New York. Welcome to America. <laughs>
1: right.
0: Um but and, you know, you're doing great yeah. work. That's that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I um, I'm trying. I'm trying.
0: Good, good. So I wanted us to talk a little bit. um, Why don't we start off talking about what led you to study political science um, and this passion you have for merging these two worlds of religion and politics. Give us a little bit about that journey.
1: Okay. Uh, So the journey actually began when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. Of course, like many other high school students, I had no idea what I wanted to do Uh career-wise. And so coming up on my junior year, this was always a question for me. Now for a lot of other students, they weren't necessarily thinking about their future per se, but I've always been a forward thinker, especially when it comes to my own life. I like to have things planned out to a certain degree. So uh, coming up on junior year, I took a class, American government class, and the professor or teacher that I had was so instrumental in developing my interest in politics. And after taking his class, I said, you know what? I may want to go into politics. So I got involved in student government and became the president for student government in high school. And I loved just being up up in front, speaking, uh, making critical decisions, hearing what the other students wanted us to do as student government and a bunch of other things. So it was really cool. I loved that experience. So, but I didn't know how that would even uh, come out, come about, you mm-hmm. know, and, So I thought, maybe I'll go into being an elected official, Mm -hmm. you know, after high school, I'll run for something maybe, or after college, who knows. Uh, But I didn't exactly know how that would come to fruition. So I always loved computer science Mm -hmm. and just computers, building them and figuring out how they work. So I graduated from high school and spoke to an advisor. A college advisor. And I told the advisor, I said, Hey, look, I think I want to do computer science, but I'm not sure what that entails. And the advisor said, well, there's a whole lot of math. So you've <laughs> got to be pretty strong in math. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, that's not going to work
0: because
1: <laughs> I'm not <laughs> a big math guy at all. I'm more of a words guy. I can speak. I can, I love reading. I can do that. I love talking to people. But when we're talking about numbers, I can do basic math. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole trigonometry and, right, and right. geometry, like, y'all, you can miss me with that.
0: <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so I changed courses from computer science, and immediately my first year, I went into political science. And from then on, it was pretty much history. Mm-hmm. I got involved in a bunch of different things, clubs I, on campus, uh, that were centered around uh, community, positivity, change, all of that. And, of course, I I just had to become president <laughs> <laughs> of, of the student government as well at, in college. Um, well, that was kind of something that just happened, but I knew that it was my calling to do that. So I, I answered the call and I did it. And it was a very rewarding experience. Yeah. And, of course, after college, I pretty much continued the same work as we mentioned I have the radio show right. that I've been doing for about 5 years now and it has been pretty successful and I love it
0: That's that's awesome. So you are You are the show expert tonight, and I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. (laughs) So often it's almost like taboo to talk about religion and politics in the same sentence. Yeah. How have you navigated those spaces? Why First of all, why do you think it's so difficult for... Christians specifically Adventist Venice Christians to understand the importance of being involved in politics and just knowing how to navigate legislation and and our role to play in that. Why do you think that's so hard?
1: It's it's not hard. That's the funny thing. It's not hard at all. We actually mm-hmm. do politics, quote unquote, every day. Mhm. Uh, I mean for instance, if you look at it, it's, it's all based on perspective, right? So if you look right. at it from a parent's perspective, for instance, a parents have a home and they have kids, and they set rules for the home and for the kids. So you don't do certain things or you do certain things on a specific date. So there right. are a set of rules. Politics comes into play when you have rules. Now, in the Bible, we have a set of rules as well. Right. We've got the Ten Commandments, but people like to play politics with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> True. So,
1: <laughs> and I don't think that um, the rules that, or commandments that God gave us are meant to be played with. Mm. So we like to put our own spin on things. And so that's why it becomes difficult. Because right. then everybody thinks that they have the truth. They think that they have their right. Right. Um, and nobody really understands what God is really trying to say to us
0: hmm.
1: with these commandments. So it gets uh, pretty convoluted and complex, but it's very actually easy to understand. Uh, but, you know, getting into this whole, political and religious melding the two together together mm-hmm. um it was a little confusing at first mm. for me because i too kind of bought in to that that thought where you're not supposed to do the two right you're not supposed to talk about the two they're supposed to be separate but uh there's just this this thing that's always been within me that knew what the truth was or is and no matter what i have to speak it right and so i looked at the catholic church and i said well if the catholic church can can combine religion and politics and a m- bunch of other things together why can't i
0: right right no and I, think so that-
1: I, I decided mm-hmm. to do that
0: no that's that's definitely awesome i love how you said Um, We do politics every day. Um, even as a church We do politics every week We are You know Like tax exempt With our non status We bring <laughs> yeah. Elected officials in And give them awards And even beyond that Like as Christians We live in a social world Right Like politics is about The taxes you pay The educational system That your kids go to You know Just sort of Every single aspect yeah. Of society Is political um, Jesus was involved And in, in, you know Like he had input and advocated in the political system of his time. And I just really wrestle with having to convince <laughs> ourselves as Christians that this is important um, and a part of our Christian responsibility and to our communities to be involved in the political process.
1: Right. And it's important that you brought that up, that Jesus was involved in that as well. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus was never political per se, but he knew what the truth said. Right. And of course he is the truth. He is the word. Right. And so what he did was he went into this political system and said, no, you guys got it all wrong. Here's the truth. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to show it to you. Right. And on top of that, I'm going to leave people here along with my spirit so that you have a living example. Right. And that, and so that my example never dies and you'll always be able to see it Hmm. and feel it and hear it.
0: Right. Yeah. I just can't, I can't imagine God calling us to go into the world like he did in Matthew 28. And somehow that, exempts the political world you know yeah i wanted to touch on something you mentioned you know you had considered becoming an elected official Mm -hmm. and i meet a whole lot of Venice young um from youth to young adults who would love to be involved in politics you know feel like that passion to be a part of changing laws and changing policy uh, and representing their communities uh in a more sustainable way but there's that Hesitation because of the religious piece, mm-hmm. um, and you didn't go into politics. Was that a part of that decision not to? Uh,
1: no. Okay. No, it's still up in the air actually for me. Okay. I, if God calls me to go there, I will mm. uh, without a doubt. But right now, I'm in a building phase where I am making sure that I am uh, completely centered mm. in the word i know what it says i'm grounded mm-hmm. and can't nobody tell me uh what is the truth right because i've studied it for myself
0: that's important that's crucial. Yeah. Really cool.
1: yeah because ephesians 5 talks about uh not allowing people to deceive you mm. you know and what? if you don't know what the word says, you will be easily swayed. Uh, For instance, I've been studying this, uh, it's not a new thought, uh, but it seems like, uh, for instance, the law of attraction, Mm -hmm. and a lot of these other schools of thought are becoming more and more prevalent today. Right. Uh, People, a lot of times you'll hear, especially on social media where people talk about uh, the universe, right? You, you put things into the universe, and uh, it will come back to you, whether it's positive or negative, right? So you, t- you hear about this, this energy that you've right. got to put out into the earth. And a lot of that is based on and in deception. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: if you're not grounded in the word, if you don't come at it from a biblical standpoint, then you're going to be deceived you're gonna get lost in the
0: sauce right right right?
1: then we don't want to get lost in the sauce you don't want to be lost in the (laughs) sauce we want to be the
0: sauce
1: (laughs) you know what I'm saying (laughs) so that's kind of uh the reason why God hasn't told me right now go into the political world and Mm. uh, do my work because I'm trying to ground myself first and, and make sure that I am sound so that when I speak, I am speaking the truth that God has given all of us. Right. And I'm not contradicting myself. I'm not confusing people or creating any kind of chaos. Um, well, I guess speaking truth creates chaos for, for people itself, that love. Yeah, right? that, <laughs> you know, that ascribe to that. But um, I want to make sure that people Hear the truth coming out of my mouth, instead of me having to figure it out <laughs> uh, along the way and right. make a bunch of mistakes, which will happen, but I'll be alright.
0: No, definitely, that's that's really important, um, and I think it highlights, or you just highlighted another piece of just kind of looking at the justice world, the political world, the church world, and this sort of new age belief in in everything else but god like Mm -hmm. looking at these trends in society um and for a lot of young adults like us who you know might sort of be in that space and wants to embrace more um social thought more social patterns um and now in fact they're saying that the Groups, the statistics around the groups of people who are identifying as Christian is now the minority, and those who are identifying as non-religious, mm-hmm. um, and you know, just sort of identifying with all these different schools of thought, right. has now become the majority. Do you have any thoughts around that, and why do you think that is?
1: It's it's a uh, it's a cool thing to actually look into because. Uh, what you said is very, very accurate. The, you've got a high percentage. Well, they're, they're probably about equal of, of uh, I guess, secular mm-hmm. folks and religious folks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it seems that there is this, this new thought or new age thought that's going around now well it's not really new but it's always existed but this right. history always replays itself so mm. it's but it seems like this this thought now is more prevalent today where we glorify ourselves hmm. and we look to others for success instead of having a biblical understanding of life and so, for instance, I was looking at the definition of secular, what is secular? And basically secular means anything that is not biblically based or, or religious based or spiritual based. Mm. And what you find is that secular people are secular, right? right. But then religious folks, Christians, are also secular right you find a lot of that happening why because christians a lot of times in in many cases don't really know what they believe and they don't understand what the bible says about life in general
0: right
1: and how we should live it and so we find ourselves just living a secular life and so Hmm. how do we then preach to the communities, if we're living the same life, right? If the Bible calls us uh, a royal priesthood, then how are we living a secular life and still preaching to them? It it's kind of a it it, it kind of doesn't make sense if you look at it that way.
0: It's so layered, you know, because I I think that you know, you just said, how do we understand life? How do we understand God's calling for us in society? You know, like, I feel like sometimes we compartmentalize things in so many ways that it almost becomes confusing. So because I am Christian that's that's like somehow compartmentalized and separate from, say, for example, my desire for justice, my desire for truth, my desire Mm -hmm. for, you know, like community development and all these different things, whereas I feel like if we were to flush things out a little bit we would see that God doesn't really want us to be compartmentalized in that way. But like you said, like ground ourselves in that truth so that we can go out and and represent him and do the work that he's calling us to do in the larger social work world. But because we, we just compartmentalize things so much, it almost becomes confusing and burdensome. And I just wish it would be less of that, you know?
1: yep yep I completely agree we identify a lot with the things of this life
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we're not when we identify with the things of this life whether they're material uh career family whatever it is um we have this it's like an unquenchable affinity towards these things and we're not able to to grasp what is the truth, Mm -hmm. what God wants for us. So when we're looking on social media and we see all these people always going on vacation or that's what it seems like, they've got all the money, all the cars, the clothes, whatever it is, we want that. But sometimes in most cases, when we get it, we don't even know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. We don't know what it means. Right. And we're still thirsty for those things. But when we actually take the time to ground ourselves ourselves in the word and in truth, then we begin to understand that all of these things don't even matter. Right. And it's not that God doesn't want to give us uh, riches or wealth or anything like that. It's that we have to understand the importance of them.
0: That's the key. It, yeah. And in, in, in just sort of building up nothing is is disjointed or disconnected i feel like what we need to do is just sort of reconnect ourselves to um to society in a way that that makes sense in a way that is is about uplifting and just sort of developing and growing and impacting this world for christ and not becoming mm. distracted Right. I want to shift things a little bit and talk about um, you are the social justice leader at uh, Metro SDA. Um, and, you know, like we've, of course, had conversations just because um, I my work in leading Adventist for Social Justice, really trying to get our churches to, like we've been talking about, just sort of understand our roles in the larger societal sphere um, and to be a part of advocacy and to be a part of changing systems and, and policies and laws that impact the communities that we serve and the communities that we live in. Have you found it difficult to engage the church in social justice advocacy?
1: Uh. So social justice advocacy is something that the pastor at my church, uh, Trevor Kinlock, has, since he's come, he's always tried to do. He's really? always tried to, yeah, he's always tried to engage. The congregation.
0: Okay, let's pause. Let's pause and, let's pause and give Pastor Kinlock a shout out for being a pastor yeah. that <laughs> prioritizes social justice because there are yes. not many. So, shout out to you, Pastor Kinlock. Okay.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always been an advocate for social justice, so I have to give him his props for that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but. For the congregation, it's interesting, you know, it's interesting because most people and we're not even just talking about Christians, but everybody in general, Mm -hmm. they like to they like to be caught up in the drama of it. Yeah. But when it comes to actually going out and fighting for something, they don't do it. Right. So most people fight with their mouth Mm -hmm. at home or through text. (laughs) <laughs> but they don't actually go out into the street and make a change, right? And a lot of times they don't. The, the real revolution happens right inside of you, right? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a that's a quote from J. Cole, mm-hmm. um, and it, that was so true for me when I heard when I heard that line. The real revolution happens right inside of you, mm-hmm. and so if you find yourself, for instance, looking at the news one day, and you get upset about. Trump or something that's going on. Right. You need to look within yourself and say, why am I, ask yourself, why am I upset? And what can I do? Not to change whatever's going on outside first, but to change what's going on internally. Mm. Why do I feel this way? And then you can begin to understand how, You are supposed to go out into the community and create whatever change is necessary.
0: Right. Right.
1: But you can't, you can't do that unless you are personally invested in it. Right. Your soul has to be connected to it or else you're just going out there and you're, you're uh, uh, a clanging cymbal. Absolutely. just making noise. You may sound good, but you're just making noise.
0: Right. Right.
1: And we don't need that. That's counterproductive to, the calling that God has placed on all of us. Mm -hmm. And so he wants us to be grounded first and then go out there and preach the word, the truth as it is.
0: Right.
1: And so for the congregation in, in, in our churches, in the SDA church, it's a little tough because I mean, we're just like everybody else. We've got families, we've got uh, kids that need to go to school, picked up from school they've got extracurricular activities we've got jobs
0: right right
1: you know we've got life right right so it's easier i'm gonna be honest it's easier for me to turn on the tv or listen to a podcast about all the foolishness that's going on right and be content knowing that somebody else is out there talking Mm. for me
0: it's
1: much easier that way
0: that's real that's real. So
1: what are we going to do? <laughs>
0: no, it's it's interesting because, you know, I always say when, for example, when, when the current president was elected, you know, everyone was either ha- whatever side they fell on whether they were happy or they were mad there was an emotion everyone was enraged and ready to do something when um some sort of injustice happens in society and it's all over the media you know everyone's ready to move everyone's ready to work the emotions are high but once things start trickling out of you know just sort of Out of media.
1: Yeah, once
0: it dies down. And you know, I always say the real work of justice and engagement and community development happens after the hype has died down. It's hard Mm -hmm. to find people in our churches who's going to be committed and sacrifice um and and go the distance to ensure that we are a part. Of changing systems that impacts, you know, marginalized groups. And it's unfortunate having to just kind of wrestle with moving congregations into action. And it's just been so tough.
1: I think I think the one of the solutions, probably Mm -hmm. the primary solution is to focus if you're a leader in your church the primary thing is that you need to focus on first developing yourself as a leader mm. and then focus on building up your church mm. with the knowledge, wisdom, courage yeah. that they will need to get that the work done. Right. right. Because you can preach to an, uh, to a congregation all day, but, If there's no spiritual connection between what you're saying about the truth, the word, and the justice on the outside Mm -hmm. that needs to be done, then you're not really capturing the essence of what God wants us to do. Right. And they're not able to capture it either. You're just going to be preaching a good sermon. Right. On the side, something
0: home. has to change. Like there has to be, and that change internal, which is why you know I believe this thing is so um, called. It's it's such a part of the Christian duty, and like you're saying, like it's it's one world that merges together and changes you on the inside to yeah. do that change on the outside.
1: Yeah, you we've got this uh, again. Another thought um, of philosophy, or if you will, of self-care or self-love
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that is pretty prevalent right now. And I think that, that that philosophy, if you will, or that school of thought is biblically based.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: However, a lot of people are using it out of context. Mm. Um, when we talk about self-care or self-love, it is not the in the biblical context now we're not talking about being selfish right right we're talking about making sure that you're grounded in the word i mean like really you're an anchor you right. know what it means or at least you're trying to understand what it means for you in your life through your experiences and then once you do that you're able to relate to other people, right, and you're able to connect and get through to them. But if you're just preaching a, a word every Sabbath and a feel-good message, right. people are going to love that, but they're not going to be changed
0: right.
1: from the inside, and, and that's, that's
0: so yeah, yeah, no, that's what's so powerful because there's no way, in my opinion, that we can care for ourselves value ourselves view ourselves you know in this christian light called to experience this life that god has called us to mm-hmm. and that then doesn't translate to a shared passion for everyone around us you know yeah. like when we go to church on sabbath and it it has to start internally, but it can't stop there. It must extend to man. How are the people around me living? How are my, how are these communities doing? And that sort of self-care and groundedness in God will always extend out. It can't just sit in, even if we look at Jesus himself, you know, like he was always on the ground. Mm -hmm. He was always taking time to you know, just sort of feed his spirit, feed his soul, and then hit the ground and be able to connect with people and heal and transform the lives of everyone around him, whether that meant engaging the political systems, doing the work of justice, teaching, healing, whatever that took. It started internally, but it couldn't stop there, you know, and and I think that's what we have to be doing at this point.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Christian thing,
1: man. Exactly. And if you if you look at the life of Jesus, for instance, it is said that, you know, he died at 33, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine, he started his ministry at basically age 30
0: mm-hmm. and
1: did three years of like, pretty solid work. And right. we still talk about him today. Right. How many thousands of years ago? right?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And, or hundreds of years ago, I should say. And uh, the importance of that illustration is that Jesus understood the importance of taking the time to ground yourself. Right. Spiritually, physically, mentally, whatever. All of that is important. I mean, imagine he took 30 years, basically.
0: Hmm.
1: We could say 25 You know, to the point where he was actually like cognizant about what he's doing, thinking, saying all of that. Right. Uh, He took that time to ground himself and then he went out and did the work. Yeah. And that's so important for us. And now people, critics will say, oh, well, he's the son of God. So he already had it cut out easy for him. Uh, Not necessarily. (laughs) Not really.
0: He was still human.
1: He was still human. I mean, even when he was. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed. His cup was full and he could have said, God, I can't do this. Right. He could have easily said that. I can't do this. I'm done. I'm done. But he did all of that work leading up to that moment in in the Garden of Gethsemane Mm. for a reason. And he remembered that. He remembered that. And so the work for us internally is super important because it's Always going to remind us in the hard times of where we came from, how hard <laughs> we worked to get here. There's no point in turning back. Right. The past ain't even there for us. It's not looking at us anymore. Right. It's our future that we're preparing for. So that self-work that we're that we're talking about, it's always, once you do that, it's always going to blossom in an external force. Right. Where we're out doing something, even if even if we're not out there uh, necessarily, you know, in the community, visiting folks and, and speaking to the homeless or preaching or stuff and stuff like that. But just in the daily walk in your journey, you're always going to come in contact with people. But if right. you are a grounded person, you are humble, you ground yourself in wisdom, then all of that stuff is just gonna spew out of you. It just not. it becomes who you are,
0: right? Right. So
1: a normal conversation will just turn into uh, you speaking biblical truths, and you will change somebody else's life, right? And I think I don't, and I don't mean to be long-winded, but like that, I think that's that's kind of the the essence of it all. You know, many people are in the church, are I think scared to go out. And, and do a ministry because they think that you have to do some super spectacular thing, like be a great orator right? or have all the knowledge, all the biblical knowledge in the world. You don't need all of that. You don't need all of that. Just work on yourself first and you will see that the Holy Spirit reveals things to you.
0: Absolutely. And
1: as you walk on this journey, things will just literally come out.
0: It's just about connecting. It's about it. being able to connect with others. And when you connect with people, your heart for people will grow. And you're you then you become touched by the things that touch them that impact them. and yeah. it's a natural progression of just this manifestation of of love and care that God wants us to be doing on this earth. And I think because we narrowly look at things. So we box in something like politics, we box in something like religion, we box in something like social justice. it makes it, so much more um, serious or, or such a narrow view instead of, you know, just sort of embracing this call and this passion that God has put in all of us to just care for people, you know? And when you care for people, that that shows up differently. Everyone's called to do it in a different way. Right. So I have one more question for you before we wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we need more Christians in politics, more Christians as elected officials?
1: Hmm. That's an interesting question. I don't <laughs> want to get in trouble.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tell the truth. <laughs>
1: uh, so the truth is always what I'm going to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Christians. When we're talking about Christians, who exactly are we talking about here?
0: Do you think we need more seven-day Adventist Christians in politics?
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I'm bringing Seven
1: it all. 7th uh, So here's my thing I understand <clears throat> that being a Christian won't save me
0: mm-hmm.
1: I understand that being a Seventh-day Adventist won't save me mm-hmm. I also understand that being a good person doing good works and things for people won't Save me. Right. And so what I must be is a believer mm. in Jesus Christ. Right. I must be a believer. If I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I believe in his word. I have complete faith in him and his word. Right. And I think that those are the people that we need in politics. mm Too often, I think we categorize Seventh-day Adventists or Christians as people with this high moral authority Mm -hmm. to govern and, and, you know, rule the world. Right. But we're just as broken as anybody else. Absolutely. Christian or not. And I don't think that it's fair for us to say that Christians should more Christians should be involved in politics or hold elected offices mm-hmm. because you can be a Christian and still be a Trump true you understand
0: allegedly and, but yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and uh, it, but so what I'm saying my point is that you need to be changed on the inside
0: mm-hmm.
1: and by being a true believer in Christ you'll be able to govern not just yourself, but others. Because, because you understand that morality, ethics, truth, none of that comes from you. None of that comes from a constitution. All of that comes from God and his word. Ah,
0: so you're saying make it less about the religious affiliation and it has to be more about the the moral characteristics, the biblical tenets that build up our character and these are the people that we need in politics.
1: There you go because I've met some beautiful people that that are not Christian. They're not Christian, they're not Adventists. Mm. They're not Catholics. They're not Jews. They're not, they don't believe in any of Mm -hmm. that, but they are good people and they're able to govern themselves um, from, I guess, biblical principles that they don't necessarily ascribe to. Right,
0: right, right.
1: You understand? So it's not about being religious in politics. Mm -hmm. It's about who you are when the lights are out. That's real. It's about who you are when nobody's looking at you.
0: I like that. I like that. And I, I hope that encourages our listeners to embrace the characteristics. And to be honest, if we're all um, aspiring to be more like Christ, if we're all, you know, just sort of on this journey of of truth and, and you know, just living in our calling, then that will not limit us to go into various spaces, um, to do the work that God is calling us to do. Um, and I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. And there's no way that God will not be calling us to go into our communities and impact the lives of the people that we live with and worship with and, and truly care for. And if Jesus could do it, then we could do it. Um, And that's, (laughs) That's what it is at the end of That's the day. That's what it is. Any last words for our listeners?
1: Yeah. Um, I just wanted to end off by saying that God and the good news has never limited us mm. as people. It, is, it was never meant to be limiting and it is not limiting. It is meant for us to be able to reach and teach any and everyone the truth doesn't discriminate against color race sex gender doesn't matter right truth is truth and god jesus specifically asked us told us to go out and spread the word that's right and so we shouldn't discriminate but the self-work is so important
0: I really, really, I really like the, the emphasis on that. We'll have an episode coming up that will talk more about what that self looks like. Uh, but thank you so very much, uh, Phil, for being my first guest for just, you know, us having this really riveting conversation um, around everything we discussed today. And just knowing that there's no discriminations there, there are no boundaries or limits to what God is calling us to do. And let's, Let's go forth in that power um, and readiness. Be prepared. I I believe in preparation, and that's some of that self work that you were talking about. Yes. And impact this world for Christ. So, yes. ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Malcolm, the bearded host. Uh, <laughs> here with us today on uh, girl meets church discussions on religion, justice, culture and intersectionality. There you go. Thank you so very much, Phil.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for
0: being here.
1: Of course.